I'm Jill Shaw, and you're listening to Last Night at School Committee. Ross Wilson and I are here to share with you what happened last night during Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. The evening began with the superintendent's report on returning to school, including a plan to return students in K through eight to five days a week of in-person learning beginning April 26th. It continued on with a presentation about waiving the attendance policy, two other presentations, one about school committee goals and guardrails, and another about graduation policy were on the agenda, but were removed yesterday without an explanation. So it was a quick meeting ending before 9 p.m. Ross, good morning. Let's start from the top. Oh, good morning, Jill. It's a beautiful day today. Jill, so at the beginning of the meeting, the school committee chair, Alex Oliver Davila, made this statement about the MCAS test for this year, which is required by the state. And the same sentiment that she shared was also shared by about 15 of the 16 people who made public comments. The school committee shares the concerns we have heard from students, families, and teachers about the implications of MCAS testing this year. The vice chair and I have been in communication with Commissioner Riley, and we have shared with him that we support the superintendent's position on MCAS. That position is that this pandemic year, MCAS should be canceled. Students should not be asked to participate in summative standardized tests when we know the effects of the pandemic will impact student performance. Desi's recommendation to revise the timeline for identifying comprehensive and targeted support schools already acknowledges this. Students in Boston will be better served with information from formative school and district specific assessments in addition to other local data. So what, what the chair is saying here is that in lieu of MCAS, the district should use its own assessments. I'm curious, Jill, like which assessment is the chair talking about? Mm -hmm. In the last school committee meeting, the school committee approved the superintendent's proposal to waive all district assessments for our students this year. Mm -hmm. So which assessments, if not the MCAS, is a district going to use? We didn't hear any questions about this from the committee. All we heard essentially was we support the fact that MCAS should not be given this year. Right. As a background, Jill, you know, this request is coming from districts around the country the federal government has not waived any other district around the country. So basically the federal government is saying you must test and you must use tests to assess learning loss. We'll link to an article in Ed Week in the blog, which covers this issue around standardized testing at the federal government and states and districts ability to test or not test. So Jill, based on the content of this meeting, we really have no idea or no guidance on how BPS students will be assessed this year. If we don't understand the gaps, how are we going to have an appropriate plan for addressing the learning loss and social emotional needs of our students? How will we know if we're spending the $450 million coming to the district from the federal government to solve for the distress caused by the pandemic in a way that's impactful and meaningful? Yes, Ross. And in addition to understanding the academic impacts of the pandemic, we, I would imagine, will need to screen all of our students for mental and emotional wellness. There was also really no mention of this, no talk of this at all. Are we waiving those tests too? So we then moved on and into the superintendent's report. In this report, the superintendent presented a fairly significant reorganization of central office leadership. There are a number of new chief and deputy positions 
Ross overseeing operations, academics, and the strategic plan for the $450 million of recovery budget that the district will soon be receiving. We'll put a link to this new organization chart in our blog as well. I was a bit surprised that school committee members did not seem to have knowledge of this massive reorganization. In particular, Dean Coleman and Mr. Ruggio had these questions. This is Dean Coleman. I would love, in addition to the org chart, if you could send us uh, the job descriptions of, of the chiefs and and uh, and then deputy superintendent, so we have a sense of a better sense of how all the work flows and who's responsible for what. And if you've articulated particular goals uh, for them already, love to get a sense of what those are, so we can get kind of see how uh, the system's kind of working together. That'd be that'd be very useful. So, and here is Mr. Diarugio. Yes. Uh, thank you, Superintendent. Can I ask uh, if you can elaborate on um, how these staff changes fit in with the, the strong return and recovery, uh, you know, in terms of the timing, and then how do all the stakeholders working with BPS know, you know who the new team is during this, you know, during this, this uh, recovery time? And then school committee member Dr. Rivera had this question. We're just worried about, you know, when is there going to be a like a permanent search? Uh, I don't know if you could say a little bit about the timeline for, yeah, for a permanent search there for the Office of English Learners and also um, with the Chief of Student Support, is that going to be a new position? Right. So, Jill, we heard a number of questions from members about this um, really quite, quite a large reorganization of the central leadership of the district. The superintendent responded by saying that she would get back to the, the school committee and to others with uh, job descriptions and details about who's responsible for what. You know, this is interesting. It'd be interesting to see how this plays out over the next two months, which is essentially when school ends. And, and Jill, remember in the final school committee evaluation this past summer, right. the school committee members strongly recommended that the superintendent needed to focus on building a, a strong leadership team. Mm -hmm. um, and, and here we are, you know, in the 11th inning, you know, students are all going to go back to school for the end of the 2021 school year, at least in K to eight in person. And the superintendent sort of just shifted a number of things around. This is kind of like, you know, just before school starts in September, like a massive reorganization, like a two weeks before school starts. Yeah. You know, this is typically also, Jill, the time that the district will also be reaching out to school leaders about their plans for the following year, for next year. To identify potential vacancies. You know, the hiring season also is in full effect. It typically happens starting in March for teachers mm -hmm. um, and school leaders. So I was surprised that we didn't hear any updates on principal and teacher hiring for coming September. Okay. So, you know, just to, just to summarize here, really kind of a massive reorganization, you know, basically all of the academics and all of the operations of the school system are now under new leadership, new chiefs, new deputies. And it will be interesting to see how school leaders and others navigate this new system, given that students will return to school. Many of our students will return to school on April 26th. Right. You know, there was a, there's two presentations last night. The first was on a reopening update where we heard that more students will be back in school full time, K to eight, come April 26th. There's about 60% of families have chosen for their students to return in person and about 40% will remain fully remote. We heard about the COVID-19 surveillance testing program, which is up and running. There's about 22% of families that have given consent and have participated in that program. 
And the district is working on more opportunities to outreach to families to get more families to sign up for this testing. And it, it is certainly an important mitigation factor for when all kids return to school or many kids return to school, I should say, on April 26th. Uh, we also heard an exciting update that kitchens and My Way Cafe will be open. So we'll get back to salad bars and make your own taco days and you know delicious food for our kids. And those will be opening up in the coming weeks. And then lastly, you know, Jill, Mr. DeArujo asked about the student experience when students return to school. And will there be a standardized approach to programming given that still 40% of our students are choosing to be remote. I don't hear from everyone, but different, different folks, some saying that it was effective and uh, their school developed a good programming that was for their kids was worked well, uh, for, but for others that, that that was not the case, uh, in, including uh, either um, uh, not inconsistent uh, in instruction or no instruction. And so um, how, how are we approaching this and then will there be kind of a standard approach uh, across schools to make sure that there's a, a, a quality for those that are remote and uh, in person. And the superintendent responds that there is in fact not a standard or central strategy for curriculum or approach to instruction in BPS, but that the central office has provided tools to each school. So in terms of a standard approach, um, you know, all the schools have their own approaches to how they do their classroom instruction um, at the school level. And there's there's not a standardized approach right now in Boston Public Schools. Um, schools have their own curriculum. They have their own frameworks for how they're doing their courses. And so there's, there's no one standardized approach to the academic program in Boston Public Schools right now. Um, as for the tools, every teacher has gotten a video monitor with a speaker in order to do the work. They have laptops um, to be able to do remote learning. They're sharing best practices from school to school. Our school superintendents are helping to um, share those regionally with the school leaders. So they're getting that professional development. We've had a lot of professional development about how to teach in this type of environment and how to do simultaneous teaching. And you are absolutely right. There is a different level of quality um, that is not the same at every single school. Uh, you know, this would be the same if you weren't in this type of environment that you have some teachers who use different types of strategies and pedagogies and um, they're highly effective. And some other teachers who, you know, are still teaching in the rows so Ross, what Mr. DiRuggio is looking for, I think is a sense of the overall guiding principles that BPS is using this year to reach and teach students who are in so many different learning environments all at once. The district, it seems has provided consistency in terms of the types of tools, the monitors, cameras, communications platforms, like Zoom that it has provided to schools, but it appears that there's no consistent guidance on the expectations for programming or delivery. In fact, the superintendent suggests that there is in fact some excellent delivery of education and there's also some teaching that is lacking in the system. Jill, it begs the question, is this a school system or, or just a system of schools? I mean, I was quite surprised that the superintendent said, look, you know, we have, we have some teachers who are, who are doing a great job and others who 
you know, she kind of inferred were, were more traditional in sense and teaching students in rows and maybe not as effective. And, um, and it, it almost seemed like the superintendent was kind of saying, I don't have control over this. Like, this is not, this is not my issue. This is, you know, everybody does our own thing here in BPS. And Jill, I got to say, you know, knowing this school system for a number of decades, right. the school system has always had uh, autonomous schools, right? And less than half of our schools are autonomous, right? So there's, it's not as if this is a new thing where we have autonomous schools in the school system. And, and in fact, the school system has had in many years of consistency with curriculum and instruction where, you know, we've all uh, in a school system have all rolled out a balanced literacy program, for example, where everybody got trained, every school, every teacher on a common approach for literacy. Or um, I remember, you know, we, we used to all get trained in, in math investigations and we were all trained for 40 hours on basic number sense and how to teach kids mathematical thinking. Mm -hmm. And everybody did it, Jill, every teacher, every school, regardless of this notion of autonomy or not autonomy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm a little bit shocked that the superintendent is sort of saying, I don't have any control. It seems like she's saying, I don't have any control over this. It's everybody does their own thing here. There's no standardization. If a parent wants to know what or how my my child will learn, it almost seems like the superintendent's just saying, go ask the teacher, because I don't, I don't know. I have no control over it. This, this is really the, the actual job of a, of a superintendent, Jill, is to guide the district in terms of a common vision, a common approach to curriculum instruction and, and how we should see our students learn. I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this, Jill. You know, the superintendent just fired um, a, a number of months ago, she fired all of the content leaders in the district. So we used to have a head of social studies, a head of math, a head of literacy, a head of science. All of those positions were cut. And not replaced. Not replaced, no. Right. The superintendent just moved out the chief academic officer. Right. And put in an interim for the next six weeks yeah. while they post the job for somebody else. Right. Over half our schools are not autonomous schools. But then the superintendent says somehow that I, don't, I have no control over what happens in schools, and in fact, she says some teachers may be effective and, and some may not. This is, in fact, the superintendent's exact job. The most important, important responsibility of the superintendent of schools is to ensure that there's a great teacher, great curriculum, great instruction in every classroom, in every school across this district. Right. So, Jill, this leads into the next presentation about essentially waiving an attendance policy as it has to do with students receiving no credits. The last two years during the pandemic, the school committee has waived a policy that says if a student is absent for essentially four days in a term or 12 days across the entire year, mm -hmm. that, that the policy used to be that that student, even if the student completed all of their assignments and all of their coursework and did well in the class, that that student would receive an incomplete and that would eventually translate to an F, a failing grade, even if the student showed competency. Mm -hmm. That policy has been waived for the last two years. Essentially, the superintendent and her team are proposing that that policy permanently be done away with. That, in fact, students who show that they can meet the coursework, the requirements, and, and show competency in that coursework should receive the grade that they deserve. I think this is an important policy, Jill, because it, it, it essentially is moving to more of a competency-based determination. Of, and if a student is absent for four days, which is not chronically absent during a term, but if they show that they can master the coursework, they, they shouldn't be penalized right, right. for that. And we actually see 
a lot of our marginalized students are the ones most impacted by this former policy. So homeless students, students who are English language learners, students with disabilities are those who are most impacted. And I think this is a good policy and it makes a lot of sense for the committee to adopt this as a permanent policy for the school system. That makes total sense, Ross. And where the conversation seemed to fall apart last night was when the school committee started to discuss the strategy for how to ensure that students were progressing and ready to move on to the next grade or to graduate. The strategy, the proposed strategy, didn't seem to have to do with grades or assignments or evaluation strategies, but rather the proposed strategy from the district is in actuality a database called Panorama. And so after the attendance presentation, Mrs. Robinson asked this question, and this will sort of exemplify the conversation that went on for quite a long time about this database, a software tool called Panorama. Where, how do we look into why people are absent and what kind of connection with helping parents understand, um, you know, absentee policies and the ramifications for taking children out of school to travel for the holidays, et cetera, and how that impacts their grades at the lower ends versus high school students who personally may decide to show up or not show up. So how do we help both the students, but also the families understand the ramifications of those choices or actions? And then Brian Marquez from the district who had given the presentation responds that they are relying on a technology tool to solve for these issues. I referenced the, the Panorama Student Success Platform, and that really offers the, a district-wide opportunity to capture the, the reasons behind absences, to document the communication with families, um, to really uh, provide the imperative to uh, a platform really to ensure accountability that we're reaching out to all students who, are, who have struggled with absenteeism uh, to better understand what the family challenges are, uh, to document any uh, referrals to support services and so forth. So that's a critical piece of, of gaining consistency around a peer attendance. And then Ross, four more school committee members asked about Panorama. They didn't ask about retention strategies. They didn't ask about engaging curriculum. They didn't ask about relationships with students and with families. They asked about a database as if it was the solution to finding and retaining the 27% of students district-wide who are chronically absent. Right, Jill, I mean, this, and, and don't forget that only 50% of teachers district-wide are, are using Panorama. Right. Panorama is simply, is simply a database to enter attendance and grades and information about how, how we're reaching out to deal with attendance issues. It, but it's being treated as some sort of like system that we should design the entire school district around. It's a, it's a solution as if the technology is going to solve all of the problems and we wouldn't need the humans anymore. Whereas we, we know that that's not true, right? I mean, literally, Jill, the committee members were asking like, does this solve for missed assignments? Does this solve for like, no, right. it right. doesn't. It, it, right. it is just an input of, yeah. Right. 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 But I, over and over again, I don't know why, but over and over again, every meeting, the conversation somehow like turns to Panorama, which is yeah. great for their company. It's great marketing because um, yeah. everyone, you know, the, whoever is interested in buying this software probably thinks that it does incredible things yeah. for schools. Yes. Um, but it is just a It's just a It's technology. And, you know, there's all this conversation, Jill, about we need a system to design around. Well, yes, a system is people. 
a system is clear goals. A system is a support structure. A system is a way of working with people working together. A system is not a technology platform. And I think we have massive confusion here amongst school committee members and even some members of the district who keep on saying that if we could just get people to use Panorama, we would somehow solve all these issues that we have in the school but, system. But that's exactly the point, right? Because then at some point in this conversation, school committee member, Mr. O'Neill says, vice chair, uh, Mr. O'Neill says, well, how many people are in, how many schools are in the old system, Aspen, and how many are in the new system, right? Like he's acknowledging that you've got two systems. Nobody's using one single thing. Like it, it's sort of, he's sort of proposing. And in addition to having our data sitting somewhere, we need, a strategy for solving this problem, right? How are we going to use all this data? And, and now it's in two systems, right? So you've got that problem also. It, it just, it just really, like it was a smart proposal and then it just fell apart. Right. So, so rather than focusing on the policy, um, the, the, the school committee members ended up in a, um, a, a spiraling conversation about Panorama. And somehow if we just get people to use Panorama, everything will, um, will work well. We'll be okay. Yeah. So in summary, Jill, if there are no assessments, you know, no end of year assessment, no grading, no test, what's, what's the plan? You know, right. simply saying everything is wrong and then not giving a solution is not leadership. It's not leadership. And school committee members allowing for this lack of leadership is the most concerning aspect uh, of watching these school committee meetings. Yeah. I want to hear school committee members and the superintendent discuss a plan to move forward, not just say all that is wrong and things that we can't control, so therefore our hands are tied, but no, we actually can do many things. We can do them together, but we need a plan. We need a goal, we need a plan. Let's all move towards that plan. And Jill, we just haven't heard, we haven't heard a plan. Yeah, well, that's what happened last night at the school committee meeting. We are left with the following questions. We, we didn't hear a summer school update in, last night. And so we're curious about how many openings there are. Are they in person or virtual? How many students have already signed up for the summer programs? What's the plan for ensuring that all of the spots are filled? Right, and th given that this is the hiring season, what is the update on teacher and school leader hiring, you know, vacancies and hiring for those vacancies to ensure that we have an effective and smooth opening in September? We haven't heard a lot yet about how the district is thinking about using the federal stimulus funding, but they're about to receive, as we know, $450 million in additional funding. And so it'll be interesting to hear the plan for that. Right. And school assignments have just been released for many students across the, the, um, the school, the city. Um, so what are the enrollment numbers for next year? Right. And we, we didn't hear anything about this last night. There's pending litigation, but when are assignments going out to seventh and ninth graders around exam schools. I think there are many families across the city who are patiently and full of stress waiting to hear whether or not their children will be admitted into exam schools this year. And Jill, actually on that one, I think it's also holding up other assignments for seventh and ninth graders to every other school. So I think this, this oh, right. has to be resolved rather quickly. Yeah. And which assessments will the district use for the end of the year? for both social emotional needs and academic needs of our students. So how do we engage, how do we help? Here are a couple of ideas. Uh, the Boston City Council approves the school department's budget that was voted on last meeting. 
Um, it's the biggest part of the city's budget. Make sure that they know what you think about the budget and where you have questions or would like to see changes. And advocate for a clear strategy on how the influx of recovery money will be spent for long-term positive impact for the students of Boston schools. Attend an exam school task force meeting. These are meetings that are held every Tuesday night at 5 p.m. and we'll post a link on our website. Thank you for listening to Last Night's School Committee. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please rate, review, like, and share it with your fellow friends, parents, and residents of Boston. We all have a stake in the future success of Boston students. Have a great day.